Have you ever made a mistake? Well, if you're like me, you have. And so you have uh, experienced that before. You may even think of yourself as apt to make mistakes in the future. It's a possibility you might. And I don't know if the correct word is that it humbles us, but it definitely makes us aware that we're not perfect in the regard of being right all the time. Wanting to know the truth and wanting to be a part of the truth is a good aspect to have. And whenever we study the scriptures, we can find out more and more truths within it. Now, we can be right and wrong about things just in life in general or on a religious nature, you know? And all that takes is reading more than we knew before. And it's sometimes it's just study up, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept kind of a deal. I think that's in the scriptures. And anything I talk to about the Bible is going to be King James Version. It's public domain in this country. I don't have to copy, uh, cite it. You know, it's not copyrighted. And I use the, I don't use the 1611, but I use, I think it's like the 1777 version, or there was a version in the 77, 1700s that I think comes down to what I have. I don't have any of the newer the newer versions of them that, that do have copyrights on it. But it's uh, it's a process, you know? And I know there's some people that have left the faith as a result of not liking how the translators line things up or just the confusion, some marginal errors and uh, stuff that they've seen. They might even think that the Bible contradicts itself and they they leave, you know. And, and, and I can see the frustration. I can see the frustration of trying to reference a New Testament that is only in Greek to an Old Testament that is in Hebrew and Aramaic. And it would be easier just to have one full language for both. And I have used a Greek Old and New Testament, a Greek interlinear, and that's pretty neat to reference stuff. But it would also be neat to have like a Hebrew interlinear where they were both, you know, because how is it that there are only surviving Greek manuscripts for New Testament? Even if that was a common language back then, you still would have thought <clears throat> at some point somebody would have written something in Hebrew, even if it was only the, the letter to the Hebrews. Now, it could have been the letter to the Hebrews that were dispersed. I'd have to look back at 
when they say that was almost written and maybe if it was after 70 AD when the temple was destroyed maybe that's why but still they would have at least known how to like if if Paul was the one that wrote it you know he could I'm thinking he could write in the Hebrew language and that the fellow Hebrews could maybe even read Hebrew. But, again, I didn't live back then. I, I don't know. I just wanted to give an idea because throughout my life, I was, I was born and raised in a Christian home, went to church, went to church school, and, you know, I ended up leaving the church when I got old enough to move out of the house moved out of the house, left the church, and I'm, I'm looking back at it, and it was, it seemed like everything was going good, and then it's just like I just, I kept having that tug back at my heart to, to read the scriptures, and I'm, I would try to read before I had left the church, I would try to late read a chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening. Sometimes I only read one time a day, and sometimes I didn't read at all. But I at least tried to say my prayers before I ate food, giving thanks. And when I went to go drive somewhere, and... Uh, praying for a safe trip. I didn't think about it as much, but when I thought about it, I would thank, give thanks for the safe trip, which I, I learned from one of my grandpas. He prayed before and after every time he went somewhere. We, we prayed like a half a dozen times one day, and I just thought it was a just overkill, and then Later, later on in life, I thought, you know what? He was doing what he thought was right, and it, it kind of made sense. And so I kind of adopted that a little bit more. I didn't do it every trip during the day. I tried to do it at the end of the day. But I remember growing up, that was one of the main things I tried to do was prayers, Prayers with food and before I went to bed. And, if, I mean, even the scripture, pray without ceasing. Is that is that even possible? What does that word ceasing mean? We're always supposed to be in prayer. Is it talking about something specific? You know, so, so there's questions. There's maybe nobody really... Thanks too much on that question, but there's there's a lot of questions within the within the faith. And when I first started this podcast, I was just really, I mean, I I I had so many segments, and I was just trying to share so much, and and then it came to where I mean, I only started it a couple like a month and a half ago, maybe. 
I got put in quarantine, maybe it was two months ago by this time, I was put in quarantine and, you know, I never really realized how alone it was. Like, I like to be left alone. I don't really like to be around a lot of people. But where, when you're in a situation where now all of a sudden you have to stay away from people. I found myself trying to talk to people through glass windows. Uh, tried to call them more. I just kind of missed going to church. And I really didn't care to do any of those things before. I think once something is taken away, it kind of makes us think, you know, maybe, maybe that was a good thing. Even though I haven't started going back to church, I did speak with someone recently who really uh, showed their view on it's a good thing to be in fellowship with others. So I think that's something when, I don't know if churches have even opened back up, but when they start opening back up before they close again, I would like to start checking that out. I used to go just to try to find a female to see if I could, you know, find a woman to marry. And and then I felt kind of guilty about just going to church for that. And I mentioned it to someone I knew. And they said, well, where else are you going to meet them? You know? So, since I don't go to bars and clubs, and it's kind of difficult to, we're, we're kind of told not to converse with people too much at stores, you know, keep your distance and whatnot, so I, seems like when I go out in public now, what used to be the, the best way to meet people was just out and about, has been taken away, and... Really, the only person I, t I speak with is the cashier, and I mean, I would, there have been numerous cashiers that I would have liked to have asked out over the years, but they're kind of in a position where they, they're the last person you see sometimes before you leave the store, and they don't have to be nice, but if they're generally a nice person, they're just kind of rounding out your shopping experience, being nice, checking things out, seeing if you got everything. Sometimes people can think, oh, hey, this person really likes me. And maybe they're just being nice. So I don't, I kind of give them a break. Like there's also, I don't, I don't try to ask out waitresses either. Because they have, they have guys trying to ask them out all the time. You know? Not to say that you can't ask a waitress out or that you can't ask a cashier out. I'm just saying they're, they're providing a service, and they generally have to be, it's, it's kind of nice for them to be nice in those positions, so, and the only reason I, I don't do it anymore is because I used to do it all the time, and then you got to hear, oh, I've got a boyfriend, oh, oh, I'm sorry, they're like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm being nice because, you know, they're either working off tips or they're just being nice because that's who they are. They're just being nice. They're just seeing 
how you're doing. And as a result, I could have missed out on, because I didn't, I didn't ask all of them out, but there was probably some that would wanted me to have asked them out, and I didn't. I think like now, like, who, where is there, you know? Where is, where is there a place to meet people? And speaking on that, you know, I've been single for, I've been single for so many years. Uh, the last relationship I kind of almost had was with a friend. And we just, we were friends for several years and we just tried to see if it would work and it didn't. We just had different ideas on how to do a family. And... And it kind of broke up the friendship. And I realized that if, you know, if anybody's listening to this and you've had the same experience happen where you were friends and you tried to go for more and then, and then you don't even talk anymore. And maybe it was worth it. Maybe it was worth trying to see if you could switch over to something more meaningful and longer lasting and stuff, but well, it actually wasn't longer lasting, was it? It just kind of fizzled. I think, I think there's always, it was mutual between us, but sometimes maybe it's just one person that's like, oh, I don't want to be with you, and the other person's like, oh, they didn't want to be with me. Well, you know. I don't know. I don't know for whatever reason it's that they don't stay friends. It's there's just something about it. It's like, oh. Yeah. It sucks. It really does. And uh I recently tried finding some other ways on trying to how to how to meet people and I don't know, it's difficult right now. So if you can try to find a way to meet people healthily, like, I tried making some old connections with friends, tried getting on Facebook, but, you know, they live far away, then I tried, uh, tried making connections back with the friends that we tried dating and tried to see if that would work again, and they just seemed like they were on a different path in life, and then I tried online, and that, uh, that is probably the most awkward. I'd rather meet someone. Uh, I can't. I'm not gonna make a joke. Uh, but it is so. You know how you know how easy it was to meet people back when it was just chat rooms, and you just go to a chat room, and you go to a chat room that you have an interest in. Maybe oh, well, this is a, a a biking chat room or a hiking. You're like, hey, you wanna go hiking? Like, yeah. Like, uh, you can't ask a, man, now it's like you are grilled. You are grilled for hours on, I mean, just weeks sometimes, sometimes months on the computer, just grilled with that in every aspect of your life. And sometimes you don't even get off the computer to the phone. Then if you do get to the phone, you know, because sometimes I'm like, 
I want to, I got people from other countries trying to contact me. I'm like, you know, the likelihood, I mean, this happened like a month ago. I was just thinking, you know, the likelihood of me being able to fly, there was a travel ban, maybe it was two months ago. I was like, there's a travel ban going on. I was like, when are we ever going to meet? I was like, this is, they were just acting like they wanted to get married. I'm like, I'm like, this has to be a scam. This, this doesn't even make sense. If you go to some of those smaller Christian websites, I don't know, these women are aggressive. I'm just like, who's on the other end of this? I just kept waiting for someone to ask me for money. Maybe they were legitimate, I don't know. But it's very difficult. So I go to some of the the larger websites and I can never meet anybody like within my city. They're always, not always, but several states, you know, they're just like too far to just go meet easily. And if you share those same frustrations, you know, I, I've basically given up on trying to find somebody online. It is, you got to wade through all the words. And then if you start texting, by the way, guys, if you're not good at texting and you misinterpret texts, you can really, you can really ruin things. And I'm either misunderstood on the, in the email and I'm, I'm I think text should only be like a one idea text at a time. Like, how are you? And then you wait for a response. I'm doing good. Good. And they might ask, how are you? And then like, what are you doing today? And you wait for a response. I find that I will give paragraphs upon paragraphs. And then I'm tr when I get a response... Sometimes I don't even know what the response is to. Like, oh, wait a second, I gave too many ideas. This response could be for anything. And then trying to, you know, I, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask this question again. But then when I ask the question again, unfortunately, I put other information in there as well, and I still don't get an answer. And uh, it can be frustrating, you know, and... I think if I'm ever in a situation like that again, first, I I hope to never text somebody. Just very, very, like, especially somebody I don't know. Like, if I end up meeting somebody out and about, or at a, or at a church, if that works out. And, because I find women, they like texting. They're just texting all the time. And... And I really don't care for it first. And then secondly, I don't do it well. But if I saw a text going bad, like I'm not being understood, I would just call. And and then there's no question. And so that's some things to kind of think about. Anyways, and that just kind of goes with what I started with this. If he's got something wrong, and maybe it's mistakes. And I know I spoke about something about forgiving yourself because that's something that it, it took me years to do. I was just years and years of, I thought I forgave everybody, but I didn't. 
I held some grudges, and the biggest grudge I held, one of them was toward myself. And that's a tough one to get over. And if you haven't got over it, it you are well worth forgiving yourself. You made mistakes. Get over it. Try to get over it. And try to move on. And I hadn't had bad thoughts like that for a while. And I shared that the other day. I'm thinking, you know, I got real passionate about it and I'm just I'm, I'm just making all these audio segments and I'm like this is going to be great and then I was like you know I'm going to pull these back because it, it might seem like I'm sounding like I'm too like I know like I know it all or like know more than I than I you know I just didn't want someone thinking I was just being real arrogant and not not meek and humble about sharing some of the stuff so I'm having to take just having to take a step back and I said okay what's what's kind of important and I thought just some nice things that were important and I just one of the main things is forgiveness and and forgiving yourself and when I put that out there you know I started thinking about a lot of stuff not immediately like it took a couple weeks and just stuff start coming in that I start thinking like just bad about myself I was like probably when I, I I missed I did these texts wrong and then I left a 12 minute voice text I'm like just silly just so it's like all of a sudden now I've done something and again I don't really text people so whenever I, I blew it I any relationship I try to start up I mess up Try to kindle something with an old old friend, mess it up. And there's always a point in the conversation where I I don't know maybe I'm just good maybe I'm just better single. As sad as that is, I have proven that I do not have what it takes to not only be in a relationship but stay in one. And right now I can't even start one up. And then I see the distance between me and other people. And it's, it's much nicer to try to start something up with someone you know, especially now, because you, you don't have to, like, build up this trust and rapport. Like, you know them, they know you. You were friends. They seem great. And then you find, like, they're either on a different life tra- life path than they were when you knew them. Or, like with me, I try to share some religious stuff and you know I don't want to be battling a, a, a woman in a relationship and especially in a marriage battling all this religious differences because it's like how are we going to raise our kids you know I don't I've I've learned lately like like I don't say amen after my prayers and someone, someone might think that that is just, oh, David, you're going too far. Well, guess what? It's what I'm doing. You know? Before I say a prayer, I don't say, okay, everybody, listen up. I'm going to say the prayer. Because a lot of times, I, and I like it, 
I actually, sometimes I ask if I could say the prayer if I'm with a group of people. I like saying the prayer. I like being able to say the blessing at someone's house. And people, they used to ask me all the time whenever I was around more people, but now that I'm not around as much people, I really don't, you know, I don't, I don't do that too much. But I noticed I was going to pray the other day and I thought, oh no, it's like, I really don't want them saying amen after prayer. And I said, and I didn't even say the prayer at all. And then it seemed like something said, hey, you say that prayer every time, regardless, regardless of what they say afterward, you say the prayer. Don't not say a prayer based on, you know, because I don't want them to, to end it that way. And if, if someone is ending their prayers that way, maybe they, you know, it's, I just, I did a study on it. I thought, you know, just several years back, something just didn't seem, it just didn't seem quite right. I didn't know anything about it before that. I just, I was doing a study about idolatry and it just got to a point. I just, I, I was just looking. I was like, oh, wow. There's a lot of, I read a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, asked me a question about Deuteronomy 4 and I didn't know the answer and then they came back and asked me again like they read through the Bible and then they start reading back through it again now they're at Deuteronomy and then they call and ask me the same question and since they had a, a fuller view of the scriptures at that point and then they came back through it again they're like no this is something this is something a little bit more and they end up reading the scriptures twice in a year. Now, that doesn't mean they understood it all, but, you know, when you can read through, you get a you get a glimpse of an overall theme. And one of those themes within the scripture is not to be a part of idolatry and idolatrous practices. And I looked it up. I was like, you know, if this word is supposed to mean so be it or I agree then I'm just going to say that at the end, like, so be it. Or if someone else is saying a prayer, I'll just say, I agree. And why not use the word amen? Well, it's, it's not a translated word, it's transliterated. And the only things that I really know transliterated words are, mostly at least, is uh, proper names, proper nouns. And it has the Aleph, Mem, and the Nun, if I'm pronouncing those right in Hebrew, because I'm not a, a linguist of the Hebrew language, but the there's a false god from Egypt that can have the same spelling, or it can have the Wa in there. It can have the A-M-W-N, or it can also be spelled just A-M-N, depending on where they spell it and, I guess, when they spelled it. And it's, you know, it means to be faithful. It comes from, it's in the Hebrew, it's it's in the Hebrew lexicon as the number 543. And it's supposed to be from to be faithful, 539. And also like to trust or something like that is either 571 or 573. There's nothing capitalized in 571, 573, whichever one the other one is to be faithful or to be to trust 
and then to be faithful, 539. It, and if you're not familiar with a lexicon, it's just, they're in alphabetical order and they're numbered. Just an easy reference to reference what words were translated uh, from the language that we got it from, the King James Bible. And so, and it's in the back of a concordance, uh, Strong's Concordance. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a neat way to kind of reference stuff, but when you do it, well, when I've, you know, I've been doing it, and then I'm like, okay, so then I'm checking this out, and I'm like, where's amen at all, all in the Bible, and I'm, I'm seeing that it's just capitalized everywhere. And then in uh, Hebrew 5.28, uh, that's, that's the Egyptian false god, or that's the Egyptian false deity. And that's the Egyptian deity that I do not want to worship. And in the King James Bible, it's not translated. And I just thought, you know, they don't translate it. And then, then they put a word that looks like it comes from it. I mean, 539 looks like it could come from five, uh, 528. doesn't say it. But... You know, something with the Hebrew languages, uh, from what I've read, it was the scriptures were originally in Paleo-Hebrew. And I don't know, another source may say something else, but it was in, it was in an older style Hebrew form than the, the Hebrew it's in today. And it might be called Biblical Hebrew today, but it was, tran it was not translated, it was, there was a revision to whatever the, the old Hebrew typeset was. And now you got these, and apparently it happened around Ezra's time after the Babylonian captivity. And I even read a source that they, they translated it in, in Babylon. So, you know, they came back over. They're using the months of the year from the Babylonian zodiac. Uh, they shorten the name of Joshua from to just Yeshua. That's where a lot of people will say Yeshua instead of Jesus. That's just the shortened version of Yahashua or Yahashua. And even that, sometimes there are people that do not agree that that's how you pronounce it because the language apparently got lost and, you know, I, I don't know, the Anyways, the, the, the Hebrew language was revised to a newer type lettering. And I read a, somewhere online where a guy, a rabbi, was saying Moses would not even be able to read his own books. And I thought, why, why take an original, like, even though it's a copy of the original, you know, they, they had to preserve the words throughout the years, you know, scrolls didn't last forever. But then you take it out of that language. You're just, you're out of the land 70 years. Yeah, I mean, did, did, did they really lose how to speak the language or did they just not want to speak it anymore? Why translate it into this? Or not translate it, why, why revise the language to a different language? You, you basically change over 
to a different type of language. So the people who did know how to read it before, like now they've got to learn this new language, and if you think everyone knows the language, at that time, what about the people that stayed in the land? Because the land still had to be run. I mean, they had like a skeleton crew maybe, but they, they kind of, you know, there was still people that were, and I'm not saying anything bad about Ezra. Just saying, why, why do that? So now, now it's revised, the language revised. And then later with the Masoretes, between like 500 and 1000 AD, now they're adding vowel points and now there's an altar, altar version where you get the vowel points in it. So it's revised with the language, then altered with vowel points. Language is lost, you know. And then they revive it, and apparently no one knows how to pronounce the name of the Almighty. And if you, you know, people that are trying to do the Hebrew roots, and I really didn't want to talk about the Alves. I was just going to talk, do a little segment on, you know, making mistakes. Because, you know, whenever someone that I knew, loved, and trusted called me up and said, hey, they told me that... Uh, I was using an English translated name for the for the Savior. And I thought, first I got mad. It's like, who the heck does this person think they are telling me this? Number one, I've used this name my whole life. It seems to work. And I just, I couldn't see it. And then I, you know, they, but it stayed in my mind. And within that year, I studied it. And I think maybe by the next year, I was, I was convinced. I was like, okay. I was convinced that it was an English translated name. There's no J's in the Hebrew alphabet. It was translated from I-E-V, I-E-S-V-S in Latin, which was what his name was in the original King James, 1611. I think maybe the 1613 is when they added the J. Might have been later. I'd have I'd have to look back online, because I don't have a 1611 or a 1613, but I did buy a uh, a preface, 1611 preface and cover sheet and all that stuff. And I was like, I have to have something that's that shows that. I have to have something, a physical book. And I bought one. I was like, well, let me let me just see what this is. And I found it and I bought it and I looked. I was like, I can't believe it. Because I found a bunch of stuff online about it. And then before that, you know, you look in the Greek. You, you, if you look and you reference what the New Testament, what we have as the New Testament was translated from for the King James, it's it was in all Greek manuscripts. So, and that word is in the lexicon, and that number is 2424. And it's Iesus. And I've thought about that. I thought, you know, are they really, do you really got one of the apostles saying, brothers, are curious, Jesus Christos. I was just thinking like, I don't think he's, I could be wrong, but I just don't think they're going to be using Greek words for proper nouns. It, that's only because I see with translations 
proper nouns most of the time are transliterated, where they are taken from what the original language, original name is in that language, and when they translate it to another language, they will use the letters that sound most like how that sounds to get how it's pronounced and then they will kind of show how it's pronounced by breaking it down and then write it how we're supposed to speak it and so it doesn't become a it doesn't become a new word it stays the same word we're just since we don't know that language and can't maybe might not be able to read it in Greek they don't write it in Greek so they'll write it in uh, English but they'll have you know like Iesus Iesus I mean that's not transliterated into English as Jesus it sounds totally different and I'm not sure how to even pronounce that the Latin version of it but this name comes from, and it, in the New Testament, I'm seeing that they, when they translated, they translated a lot of proper, proper noun, a lot of proper names to, they did do that. I don't know why, like, what well, I mean, Mary is supposed to be Miriam. James or Jacob or, you know, was Yaakov. Isaac is Isaac, maybe. I don't know, so it wasn't like Jesus was the only one that they did that to, and I just realized that, but just the the path that it took when you keep, when you go back and you like, oh, this is Yahashua in Hebrew, which apparently that may or may not, people will, linguists that I've read, you know, they don't, they don't agree that that was translated or, uh, they don't believe that that's the style that you're supposed to say it. And that is translated as Joshua. So how did how did the, the one that fought the battle of Jericho is called Joshua and our Savior is Jesus? How do you get two different names from the same word? I don't know. That's just another thing that doesn't make sense. But there's people that will think that the translators just didn't like the Hebrews and didn't want to uh, keep a Hebrew name, so they translated it into English. I don't know. It's the, whether you have a regular person who is going to translate their name into your language. Okay, you know, like my name's David, but in Hebrew it's like David or David, one or the other, and it might even be pronounced with a B in other languages, like David. But if I go to any of those other countries where it's pronounced differently, it might even be Dawid, certain ones. I think I was trying to find the different pronunciations for my name. They're still going to call me by my name. And I've had that happen where I'll talk to people and they it's a different name in their culture. And they'll say, oh, and they'll say it in their culture. Like, oh, yeah, we, 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 know how, we uh, your name is familiar with us. But then they'll still... They didn't keep calling me by their name because that's the language they spoke and that's how they pronounced their name in, in, that, in, in their land and culture. They still call me David. 
But how did the name above all names, only one name that we're supposed to be saved with, baptized in the name, have faith in this name, power in the name, and they translate it several times over. They, they butchered it. What gives them the right to not pass down what name the angel gave Mary his mother at birth? What? They, they had no right to do that. They had no right to take whatever the actual name was, the name above all names, and then just start translating it into names that didn't sound like it. It, if, and it didn't take me, like, it took me a little bit to get there, but when I realized, like, no one's calling him by that, 2,000 years ago, no one's calling him that name. The name didn't even exist. And I was like, why wouldn't someone want to know? Once they realize, because I'll talk to people, and then sometimes they're like, yeah, I see. It's not his name. I'm still going to use it. Like, why? Why would you, you want to use a name that you know it wasn't the name? Well, you know, I've been using it, and it's, it seems good enough. It's because they want to. It's familiar. They like it. And, you know, just because it worked doesn't mean it's, doesn't mean it was what we're supposed to do. Yeah, you know, it worked. I had the same thought. And I thought, you know, what actually was it? And so I'm doing this search and I'm, I'm using Hebrew names and I'm, there's like five different pronunciations you can use, five, five different spellings and all this stuff. And I'm just thinking, that's even more confusing. I went from just one name to now almost a half a dozen different ways on how to say it. And no one agrees. When you leave the English translated name, no one agrees on these other, the other Hebrew names. So then I stopped using Hebrew names altogether. I just basically say Savior. Because, again, once you get to a point where it's like you study yourself past the point where... And I don't know if... Maybe it was designed that way, you know? It, basically, who, who, who kept up the Hebrew scriptures? Judaism. Well, they didn't believe that the Messiah who came was the Savior. And so, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why. That, why, why how are you going to change out the languages, revise it? change it to a different type of Hebrew, add vowel points, language is lost. Now nobody knows how to pronounce anything. They're kind of trying to build it back up and there's all this mystery around what the name should be and just even this. I don't, even, I don't want to keep talking about all that. It's just there's so much confusion with it. And if that drives people back to keep using an English translated name, you have to see that it wasn't the name. I mean, and and I I've, I've been reading lately about how Israel was using names for false deities. Now, I'm not saying Jesus is a false deity. I'm just saying it's an English translated name. But they were using names for false deities. And th they were calling the Almighty B-A-A-L-I. And they were also calling... The Almighty other stuff, 
They were, they were worshiping the Almighty through these false gods' images, through the idols, through false names. They were calling these other false gods sometimes by the name of the Almighty, like they did with the golden calf. Hey, let's have a feast into whatever the name for Lord was supposed to have been back then that got translated to just an English word, Lord. We just got a general word for the the Almighty's name back then, and then we got a, you know, it's like, it's not even a scandal. It's a travesty. How the heck? Joel 2.32 says, All those who call on the name of, of whatever this name was shall be saved. Like if someone back in the day was a lord or a sir, they still had a name. Like you still addressed them by a name. There was a name to address. And there's all this stuff about invoking false gods' names. It's not a good thing to do in the scriptures. Or, in, you know, trying to false worship, being a part of false worship. There's a lot of practices within Christendom that have come from pre-Christian uh, pre-Christian pagan customs, and it's coming to the faith. I, you know, if we were born in the land of Israel when they were worshiping B-A-A-L, and the only reason I'm like spelling out these words is because there's there's a, a command not to even say the, the names of them, even though I'm not a part of that covenant that was given at Sinai, like I haven't entered into that covenant. I think there's a new covenant with the Messiah upon better promises and upon his sacrifice. But if if they weren't supposed to say the false names back then, I just don't see how, and I don't read either, how uh, his his coming down and doing what he did, how that would just like nullify that particular command like hey you can say them all now you can say any of them now just and i think it might have had to do a little more with hey you know he didn't want to be called by him and so he just said don't say him at all and then they're they're calling him by him you know so it's you know there's a command not to make steps to go up to an altar don't wear a skirt walking up to it or something you'll uncover yourself maybe not wear a skirt but don't wear steps because you'll uncover your nakedness to it don't uh, don't use a tool to etch out a, the rocks for an altar if you put your tool upon it you pollute it you know and I mean, I'm not going to build a, an altar anytime soon, but I also, if I was, I wouldn't do what was prescribed. And, why, and you know, the interesting thing is, is that they still made altars that looked like that. I got to see some of them. And that's like, that's like a, a heathen, well, maybe not heathen, but it's, that's like a false, it's what, it's what the Almighty didn't want. 
Now, you know, I'm not Jewish, so I'm not a part of that, and I'm not, I'm not an Israelite. So I'm not a part of that, those, that group of people that the Most High picked from every nation of the earth to have His Messiah come through, our Savior. All the other nations were Gentile, pagan, heathen, whatever you want to call it, and not even worthy to even be picked. And then the ones who are picked go into idolatry. I mean, it's just, it's, it's like when the flood happened and there's, you know, only eight people came out and then like, and then Ham restarted the bad, you know, the, the evil line. It's like, God, come on. Three people leave Sodom and Gomorrah. Four people do. Three people actually make it. And then of the three, like, good night. I mean, that's that's a that's a really crummy story. Not crummy. It's it's a really. It's a story I wish I'd never read. You know, it's like it's like nobody was good that came out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then you got who else is there? What was this other story that I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, Israel. All the nations, and they're the ones that are picked, and then they turn against them? It's like, gee whiz. So if there's any Gentiles out there, and I've heard them. I've heard Christians talk bad about Jews. Oh, these stubborn, stiff-necked. Look at them, and they're really talking about the Jews from the wilderness. Some of them will talk about how, you know, they didn't accept the Messiah, but I don't jump on that bandwagon because all they have to do is accept. And like Paul mentions in Romans 11, they can be grafted back in and much easier than a Gentile who's not a part of this whole, the the tree. You know, they're a wild olive branch and then they're grafted into this tree. But if they stop believing, they're just, they're cut off. And they weren't cut off so we could be grafted in. They were cut off because of unbelief. And that term cut off, that kind of deals with. Like if you've ever read about the Day of Atonement, the people that were not a part of it, they were cut off. They were not a part of that of the congregation anymore. And it's kind of like the sheep and the goats. They became the goats. They went away into utter darkness, and it's kind of imagery of when the Messiah comes back, those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life saved, and those who are not considered the goats and, you know, punished, thrown in the lake of fire. And so what we have is, all of a sudden, like, it's, Christianity is not a new religion. That's another idea that is, I don't know, even know how that came about, but it's a 4,000 year, at least a 4,000 year old prophecy from Adam on down the line through his son Seth, on down through Noah, through Shem, through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then the tribe of Judah is who the line of the Messiah came through. And we have Mary's and Joseph's uh, lineage. One of them is in Matthew and the other one's in Luke. They both were from the tribe of Judah. And, you know, it's like Messiah came, fulfillment of all these prophecies, the prophecy from the garden that man would be saved and any other messianic prophecy throughout the the uh, the scriptures, and then all of a sudden, like you know, the 
I don't know. There, there was a lot of Jewish people. Who, who do you think the apostles were? Who do you think was a part of the early church? You know? There's all these Jewish people that are becoming in, coming into the faith. But the ones that weren't a part of the faith, that stayed within uh, now a an incomplete version of the religion, uh, that's what... That's what it became, an incomplete version of the religion. Because the Messiah came, and the ones that did not accept, I mean, they're the ones who held the control. You can have a bunch of people, you can have every member of a church believe, every member of a synagogue believe that the Messiah came, they don't own the synagogue, and that, you know, the Levites did. So if the Levite, if... If the whole religious community that operated the temple and all those synagogues, if they weren't converted, well, the religion stayed with them. That's the point. Like the early, you know, the early Christians, if you want to call them, the early Christians, like they were first called Christians at Antioch, but I don't know what they were called. They were part of the way. The people that accepted this 4,000-year-old prophecy, they didn't just take over the synagogues like, all right, we're taking over. Hey, the uh, veil's rent in half. You don't know, you know, no longer have to do the daily or the yearly sacrifice. This person came and, you know, sacrificed once and for all. All those sacrifices were pointing toward the Messiah. And, I mean, you know, it's... He broke down the wall of partition between Jew and Gentile. All, the, all that stuff, all the ritual washings, and you have to wait to the end of the evening to be considered clean, and 60 days for a female, and 30 days for a male. For, the, for a mother, if you had a male, you were considered unclean 30 days, and if it was a female, 60 days. For whatever reason, I'm just saying that it's like, it's all this stuff. That was done, sacrifice and offerings. They done away with the meat and drink offerings. You know, it's just it, it it's done. Hebrews talks about it. If uh, if Hebrews is a false book, I have no way to know. There can be discrepancies within it that I don't like, but it's you know it's canonized. I mean, somebody can pick and choose and just get rid of the whole Bible. You can do that. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but if you're within the faith and you believe, at least at least if you believe it's, if it's a translation, even if you think it's a bad translation, you can still kind of read it and kind of figure stuff out. You can figure out what's false based on what's true. You just got to get a complete version of it. And, you know, it's... I know I, I know I'm saying a lot of ideas here that may just seem like and I've only mentioned like a couple from what I what I could say. I'm not trying to overwhelm anybody and if and there's this isn't even new. This it's not like I'm a part of a I I didn't like go to a a, a school and like they said, "Hey, this is all stuff that is this." It's just over the course of the last decade decade and a half, two decades of just studying the scriptures. You know, born in the church, you can, you, you tend to, to read it in church school and then read it and 
high school and you know you just keep reading it keep reading and st there's stuff that doesn't line up and we're taught hey don't question and you know just just believe and have faith but there there's stuff that you know you just read you're like this this doesn't make sense how did this how did this even make it in and i know there's a lot of people they they've talked to me i've talked with them i'll ask them questions they're like yeah i, I don't know like I've wondered that same question myself. And then we basically come up with a little, is this a salvational issue? And when we realize it's really not, we just we, we dismiss it. We're like, yeah, we'll, we'll just focus on the message of salvation and loving others and, you know, respecting and obeying the Almighty. And, you know, I've mentioned stuff that, when I see how Israel was not a part of true religious worship in certain aspects when they were in idolatry, what are those aspects of idolatry? Worshiping a false image, using a false name, you know? Worshiping a false deity, which we're not within this faith. But, you know, when... When you're when you're at a service and they put up a picture of Jesus, is that actually him? No one knows. It, I don't need to look at a picture of of the of the Savior to feel better about myself and my faith. And I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of these photos have he has a halo around his head or a sun. Most of the time, a sun. Most of the time, it's like a brightness like a yellow sun around the Savior's head. Helios, the Hellenistic Greek god. Sol Invictus, the Roman uh, Roman god. Uh, even Mithra, he was, the he was known in, I think, in Persia as the unconquerable sun. You got all these sun gods from these religions and Lo and behold, when you start studying, like, we're not taught to celebrate the birth of the birth of our Savior. But why do we do it on December 25th? Then you find out, if you've already found out, it's, a, it's according to an ancient pagan custom. You're not supposed to have any part of it. Jeremiah 10 talks about not even having a tree. Uh, worship in the sun. They were doing that in uh, Ezekiel 8. Not a good deal. You know? Uh, I don't know. There's just there's so much there's so much stuff to, to mention to, to about that. You know, Solomon, uh, Constantine, he worshipped on the day of the sun. And I don't know how they, you know, they, they incorporated Easter. That's a pagan holiday for the second planet. And somehow they've made it to where Christians are all worshipping on the first day of the week. Now, if you're doing that in honor of the resurrection, and you can worship the Almighty any day you want, but, you know, I'd, I'd be careful with kind of treading so much stuff with, with paganism that had a part of it. I would just consider studying it and seeing how all of it kind of transpired. And I'm not saying that you're worshiping any false deity, and I'm not saying anything like that. I was a part of false worship my whole life, and I just basically found this out five years ago, and I've been studying it, and I'm just 
basically having the the time to take to share it with others in the faith. And I hope it can bless you in wisdom. I ran out of time on that one, but there is a false god called M-O-L-O-C-H or M-O-L maybe E-K and there's a couple different spellings for it and it's the the bull looking god with the the man's arms and legs and he's kind of got his arms out he's got a fire for a stomach people take their firstborn child and throw it into the fire it's a sick pagan custom it's 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 disgusting if you ever see a photo of it it is just so it's it's an abhorrence even to look at it's just, it's foul beyond belief when you think about these customs that was done. And if you think I'm picking on the people of Israel that, that did it, they're borrowing it from, from pagan customs. They're, they're borrowing it from the, the neighborhood idolaters. So it wasn't something they made up. It's a warning that they weren't supposed to be a part of it. And they were a part of it. And then that's what they start doing. Amos 5 speaks of it. Acts chapter 7 speaks of it. And there's too many other verses that speak of it. But one of them, they, there's, a, there's a command that says, Do not pass your children through the fire to this particular deity. And they end up doing it. And it's... I don't know if they just did the firstborn because the firstborn were supposed to be separated and uh, initially like dedicated in their service to the Almighty. Pagan idolatrous custom to this false god is totally opposite. In that instead of dedicating to service, they would, they would, uh, I guess, kill them, sacrifice them. And I, you know, I, I can't imagine a woman carrying a child for nine months and then just killing it. I can't imagine being a part of a, of that. And then nine months later, just, I don't know if the father delivered it or the mother. Or they both kind of like presented it to the priest and the priest just threw it in. And, you know, you hear about these stories about these sacrifices to appease the, the gods. Uh, I just think they're disgusting and ridiculous. You know, there's a lot of abortion that goes on in this country. And before they start chopping babies up for parts to experiment on and test and stuff like that, they would, uh, which, that that used to turn my stomach when I heard that. It, like, it turned my stomach so much. Mama, what can we do, sign a petition? That's it. 
you know, just it, it seems like we hear all this stuff. There's all these crimes against people, crimes against humanity, crimes against nature, just crimes against the planet. It's just every, it's just for money or what? I mean, just, just everything is just being destroyed. Everything that seems like it's good is just being exploited or destroyed. And uh, I mean, I feel like I have no no power in any of it. I pray for it. I'm like, maybe that's something the angels are gonna do, but why wait to the end? Why, you know, like the angels on each of the each of the four winds of the earth, you know? North, south, east, west, maybe even. Just waiting to come down and like by that time it's gonna be it's gonna be over. Like, can't we do something now? Anyways, these mothers are being taught and told that the child within them is is not a child. They make it to where it's it's not even a human. It's not a human till they're born. <laughs> I just had this thought. What about a cow? What if a cow had a miscarriage? Would they not call that thing a baby cow? Uh, no, that was in the zygomatica stage. It, it's a baby cow. It's just like a, a not fully developed to be born baby cow. It's what it is. And if the child in the mother's womb making the belly big, that is a pre-born baby. It's not born. It doesn't matter what stage it's in. Chicken egg? Fish egg? You know, the process is starting that that is like an unhatched chicken. Unhatched fish. Anyways. Just an unborn baby. Who's lying to these women? Are they the same people worshiping this false god? They used to have a furnace down in their basement. They throw it in. The company name have anything to do with this false god? Is this false god still being honored through through all these abortions? Now, if if there's complications in birth and someone says only one's going to make it, well, you save the mother every time. The mother says, no, don't save me. Like, who's going to take care of your kid? Is the dad going to? That's going to be terrible. Now, if they try to save both and the mom dies, that's one thing. But 
to make a decision like only one can be saved? I don't even know how those complications happen, but they do. And only one could be saved. Save the mother. You know? Just try again, maybe. But just to, you know, and I know there's women who get, they either get molested or raped or whatever the case is. Am I saying they shouldn't have a choice? I'm not saying that at all. I've heard some bad stuff. I've heard of a father forcing himself on his young daughter under the age of, of being an adult, like she's still a kid, and she's about to give birth. You're going to have her give birth to her her little brother, brother, son. I mean, it, it's sick. I know it's, it's some sick stuff. How, how is it that the father's not killed? How is the law not more strong on if if laws even just take internet laws? They're like, oh, they're worried about people, you know, with the internet, like identity theft. Just make the laws heavier. Make the laws more. Drugs are a problem in this country. Make the laws more. Make it to where people are going to think twice about, about dealing. Thieves, I mean, murder. Murder is supposed to be like the, the worst one. Murder is like one of the worst, worst crimes. You get life in prison, premeditated. What about these women going in? Just aborting the baby. Just not, nothing bad. No, no forced entry. No, you know, just had a relationship. It didn't work out. They don't want to be with the, the guy anymore. Or, or just, you know, party. Don't know who the father is. Eh, you know, I guess I'll just go ahead and I, I, I don't think it should, I don't think it should be so casual. Hey, use a contraceptive. Don't get so drunk and high that, that you know, you, you accidentally get... Who am I to judge, right? I'm just saying, you know? We live in a society where sex and drugs and that type of lifestyle is glorified and... And then we justify it being okay just to, to dismiss the child. But what if, what if we found out that the people who are a part of all this are actually worshiping the, the same deity that the Israelites did and the same deity that they borrowed from uh, Babylon, Phoenicia, Canaan, all those other neighboring countries that did the same thing on purpose. Like they did it in honor of a false deity. What if they were behind all this? I know I've heard, I've, I've read stuff about Planned Parenthood where they're trying to control the certain types of population. But, you know, everybody gets, it doesn't matter what culture it is, they're all getting them within this country. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter your background. It's open to everybody. 
Well, it was originally put in place in like poor areas. Yeah, in poor areas where they can't take care of their kids. Having too many kids to take care of. Yeah. The conspiracy is being a false, false deity. And that this could be, I mean, it could be more than just Can you imagine being a part of a false religious practice that deals with sacrificing your child to a deity? That's what people are doing unawares. They're supporting. The whole world's broken. The whole world's messed up. I don't know what I... What I thing to accomplish just to have this podcast I'd like to speak to the whole world and who's to even say it would matter there's people that plead for everybody all the time organizations they're just pleading don't don't but do they have in mind that all this is dealing with the worship of Of this uh, false deity. Or any false deity like that. Maybe not. Maybe. Maybe so. Maybe people have thought of it before. If you're thinking. If you're a young mother. And you're thinking like. Oh man. You know. The, the guy left me. You know. I would have. I tried. For a time. To find a woman who was pregnant. And the guy left her. Because I thought, you know what? This child's going to grow up, not have a dad, and I don't have any children. And I said, I could just find the, I could just find a woman that... You know how difficult it is for a woman to trust again another guy? After that happened, I tried. I tried. I tried online. I tried... You know, like... How do you break how do you break into that conversation if you see a woman pregnant? Hey, how's the dad? If he's not around, I'd like to take care of him. I'll take care of you. It's it's you can't do that within a I just I never found the opportunity to and I thought, you know as I speak of it now, I don't know if I had the actual thought that it might help a woman not get an abortion, but it might. Maybe that's a new way to look at things. Hey, and who's to say even those relationships would last? She would wish she didn't. Maybe she puts up the child for adoption. You know, if I grew up in a in a orphanage, I'd probably I'd probably hate it. But you know, it. Oh man, it just it sucks. All these people that can't take care of their kids and then you got all these other couples that they can't even have kids can't have kids and why do they make the process so why is it so expensive I don't I just it I'm I'm reaching a point when I, I don't even know if I'm going to get married and have kids I'm just I'm just like, 
we're not going to get married in heaven. We're not going to be given in marriage. and We're not going to get married or have kids. We're going to be like the angels. So what... All this focus... Sometimes life just doesn't make sense. I hope your life can become easier. And if you're if you're thinking about something like that, maybe you could just find a man that's like me who just would love, honor, and cherish you and the kid and start a family of our own. There's, there's got to be some guys out there, and I know it might you might seem shameful, especially in the Christian church, premarital sex, child out of wedlock. You know, I wouldn't compound that stuff by by giving the child up for adoption or killing it. You know, and if I know it's probably scared to try to raise a child by yourself. There's a bunch of good Christian guys out there that would even maybe not even Christian. Just a bunch of guys, good dudes. That would take you, accept you, accept the child, love you both, and you have a family. I know that's easier said than done, but are you looking for, for the right guy? Are you looking for somebody that, I, I don't know, guys looking for, you know, the wrong type of woman, and sometimes women look for the wrong type of guys. I pray the best for you in this, and I probably won't even publish this, but if I do, my my prayers go out to you and everyone who has been, had to be a part of that, and I hope your life gets easier.